Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 170 of the All You Hear podcast. I'll be your host today, Patrick. And joining me today are my three cinephilic co-hosts. Still stuck in this fucking house, Jonathan. Mad Colt. I'm going to drive my car into the ocean. Weary Wenzel. And today we'll be talking about our our summer movie check-in. Because we had a big movie check-in at the end of May... That was for our spring watching, and today we're just talking about what I've been consuming in the uh, the tropical fun time summer edition of quarantine. Because as the quarantine drags and drags on, we still been afforded a lot more time to catch up on movies. So that's what we'll be talking about today. Yeah, you betcha. I've seen. I've already blown my uh, hundred movie challenge out of the water, uh, thanks to the quarantine. I, w- I was, I want to say around fifty, sixty last time we checked up on this. But yeah, I'm, I'm over a hundred. Uh, I think I'm like a hundred six or four somewhere in there. Crazy motherfucker. Yeah, like Colt, I was, uh, I was around fifty movies ish at the end of May, and I since the end of May I watched fifty four. So I'm at, I'm sitting at ninety nine movies right now. Fuck. Shit. Yeah, I was like at 30, and now I'm at like 82, so do the math. All right. I don't remember how exactly I was, how many hours was it. I was like 30-something as well, and then now I'm at like uh, 56. I'm at 56. Been doing some watching. Yeah, I think so. Uh, uh, I watched a good bit last uh, month, June. Sorry, I'm trying to, I'm trying to look at my letterbox because I have a, uh, I made, I, Something that kind of, like, pushed me to watch movies was, like, I made, like, a to-be-watch list. So, like, I had a June to-be-watch list, and I watched everything on it. I don't know if I wanted, if you want me to just go ahead and talk about those, or if anybody has anything else they want to add about, like, stuff, or, I don't know. I figured we sort of, like, kind of go through the procession of it. Like, we start with May, work through June, and go through July, and sort of just go in sort of order what all been, been we've been watching. Oh, Yeah. Oh God! Into. I've seen so much. Yeah, uh, I think the well, for for me the movies in May. I mean, I talked about them in that one uh, episode we did because I only watched like like movies on my own. I watched three, and that was just I. I'll say it again: True History of the Kelly Gang. It's fucking good. Uh, the Criterion of Don't Look Now, and then My Hero Academia: Two Heroes, and then everything else was just for the uh, was for the podcast. So that's what I watched. Yeah, <clears throat> for me, I finally got to watch the new One Piece movie Stampede at sort of like the big, like a big um, anniversary celebration. That was that was a lot of fun. Just like a pure a One Piece adrenaline in action. If you're a big One Piece fan, I think it's a it's a nice sort of hallmark for this series. As you can see, like, there's a bunch of cameos. You see all your new favorites, sort of new uh, current cast in there, make, uh, just fighting. It's, it was a lot of fun. Uh, one big movie that we saw in May, at least the the art house, was The Handmaiden. Ah, uh, yeah. Now, The Handmaiden was a very big movie that Cody and Johnson kind of like snickered about in the in the background for a long time. And then finally, we we was a house. Me, Liz, Cannon, and Johnson all sat down to watch it in May, and holy shit, it's an. an not only is it an, is an amazing, just immaculately shot movie, it's just on every level superb filmmaking. It's also butt fucking wild. Yes, uh, guy, like, like, because I remember watching it the first time with Cody and some other friends, and and like for like the second half of the movie, we were just screaming <laughs> because it got fucking crazy at points. It's it's a movie I will say go in completely blind. 
because it's it goes in places. Uh, it's all about the reveals, and I know a lot of people will say like the first, like because it's divided into three distinct parts. At least get through part one, and if you're and if you're somehow like you get to the end of that, and it's like okay, what the fuck? Then you are not human. Or or you get to the end and you don't say what the fuck. Yeah, that's what that's what I meant. Because uh, Cole, because you, you, you uh, of the four of us, um, Wenzel's the only one that hasn't seen it. But you got to watch it as well. What was your impression without giving spoilers away? I watched my uh, when I watched it. I watched it probably like a month later. I I liked it. I thought it was really good. It's just that the way everyone in the group talked about it, I, it had like some ungodly picture in my head. I guess where or a godly picture where I thought it'd be the best thing I've ever seen, or it's going to be one of the best things I've ever seen. And I was disappointed. Uh, it wasn't a big. It wasn't a Ew. big disappointment. It was just like that's not what I was expecting. It was good though. It was very good. I gave it four out of five stars. That's good. Because yeah, it, 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 it's, uh, it's it comes very acclaimed. It's by Korean filmmaker Park Chan Wook. I mean, of course, he has a very storied uh, filmography. Um, that, for me, Handmaiden was probably one of the very small handful of movies I've given five stars to this year. Probably maybe at le- I've given at least three five stars away, and I'm not someone who really does that. But, but to me, it, it was just a Beautifully shot, just gorgeous movie. And to just give y'all like some perspective of like what was happening while we were watching, like, because I I sort of like was pushing them to watch this movie. I was like, come on, let's watch this. This is fucking wild. You're going to love it. And usually we're pretty rowdy when it's like just us, like even if it's something we haven't really seen. But like Pat was like suit, like just dead silent the entire time and I was like oh fuck Pat won't fucking hate me for recommending this movie and then the minute it ends he was like that was one of the best things I've ever seen Goddamn, like it was really good and like seeing Liz and Ken react to it who they didn't really have a hype going in they just heard us talk maybe maybe had heard us say it was good and then seeing and, and hearing their reactions too, it was it was always good because like a, a little insight into the uh, to the house, like we're all very like boisterous people when it comes to a lot of things, especially when we're watching movies, especially when we get rowdy. But to see kind of everybody kind of turn up at the exact same time at the certain moments, and, and like in a film, especially this one, it's that's always like a really sort of gratifying experience to have. Exactly. And it's on Amazon Prime right now, which I think is probably the best way to watch it because it has the uh, the different colored subtitles based on uh, what language they're speaking, which that's a big point of the film. Which uh, I have the Blu-ray, and I, I was real disappointed that they didn't have the different colored text for you know whether they were speaking Korean or Japanese. But I mean, it was still fucking amazing so let that be a little uh a little enticement for Wenzel and the audience as well to this is definitely one we're checking out while you're still in quarantine while you have the time just 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 be aware going in the first part is slow and there is some maybe some explicit moments it's definitely not a family film no oh, do not yeah. watch this with your parents do not it, it earns its r rating uh in may i think may is probably my biggest month ever uh, for movies watched uh, this year, and I watched twenty movies in total. Uh, I think like eight of them were for the podcast, and uh, I watched Casino, Godfather Part Two and Three, and Apocalypse Now back to back to back on four different days. And let me tell you, I think 
They are definitely worth the hype. Godfather Part 3. Uh, yeah, it's not as good as the other Godfather. It's still good, though. But yeah, May was a good month for movies, other than the end when I said, you know what, I just got, uh, what, what's HBO Max, and I said, you know what, Unfriended's on here, and I've heard good things about this from Tanner, I think. Or Tanner heard good things from someone else, so I'm gonna check this out. Unfriended is probably some of the worst movies I've seen this year. Uh, do not watch them. I was about to say, Unfriended... I don't know, that's bizarre. I don't think I've ever heard Tanner talk about that movie. I mean, I don't think he's seen it. I think it's where he's heard people talking good about it. Oh. Uh, I mean, I've only heard people, like, just take di- giant dumps on those movies. Tanner gave uh, the new Chucky movie uh, three and a half stars, so... I, I, I expect him to probably give this one a good four and a half. <laughs> well... Th- Oh, horror is such a it's such a weird sort of genre because it's probably next to comedy the most subjective genre to watch because everybody has a different idea of like what's scary and what's funny and whatnot. Like like a like a good example, Veronica is a Netflix horror movie and it for it was touted by some to be one of the scariest movies in the last couple of years. And I think both Wenzel and Tanner gave it like one star and less, and then Cody gave it like four stars. Yeah, so it just shows the disparity of what people think is good and scary, which I find personally very interesting. Yeah, I'm looking right now. Cody, yeah, Cody gave it four stars. I gave it half a star, and that half a star is specifically for... I could give it a full star because there's one scene in there. won't spoil it. There's one scene in there that was genuinely creepy, but then everything after that was just kind of, like, boring. Eh. Yeah, it has a, it, right now on Letterboxd, it holds a 3.0 rating, which isn't bad. I don't know, just, you know, not not to my taste. But also, Tanner doesn't like, and no offense against you guys, Tanner doesn't like Hereditary, and yet he gave uh, Chucky three and a half stars. Like, it's bullshit. I want to fight him at almost Chucky all times. Is not, Chucky is not scary. <laughs> like, it's not even fun. He, uh, well, it's a little fun, but it's not scary. Like, it's not even visually appealing. It's just an ugly-ass doll going Yeah, exactly. It's so just, it, he looks so disgusting. Like, it doesn't scare me. It makes me want to punch him in the fucking face. Yeah, it makes me want to throw up looking at that ugly-ass little doll. I'll fucking kill it. I'll rip its head off. I mean, that's that's the thing about, like, haunted dolls and stuff. It's like, you know, like, with... if Okay, if it was just the doll... I think we talked about this before, but I'm just going to break this... We definitely talked about this before. I, it's just, if it's just the doll and it's walking towards you, has and, it, like, the only supernatural thing about it is the fact that it's a moving doll, you know what you can do? You can tip it over and just walk. Use fire. If, like... I feel like fire's, like, a last-ditch thing, but just pick it up and like pull its arms as hard as you could uh, rip its arms off w- watch the soul inside fight you like i mean just like you could just walk past it like it's just a dumb doll like throw it in the trash like i mean i know annabelle was thrown in the trash but like just you know smash it shred it burn it like who cares it's just a dumb doll i don't care if it's possessed by the devil like fuck the devil he's an idiot can't even play Fortnite. The the next uh, Chucky reboot, they just give Chucky a gun. Okay, now that's when it's okay. that's different. Okay, that's, that's, that's fucked that's up. Scary. That's scary. <laughs> it's time to update Chucky. Give him oh, a Glock. God, no, he'll kill us all. Child's Play is definitely one of those slasher horror franchises I always thought was stupid and could never get into. Completely agree. For for like all the reasons y'all were saying, it's it's like it's a fucking doll. You can pun him. I mean, yeah. I now I will say as a kid I was uh, I was genuinely scared of Chucky. That's why I never watched it. And like as a kid I got creeped out by him. But then as I'm older now I'm like, what a stupid looking doll. <laughs> like I not a kid anymore. So fuck him. Yeah, I I watched the uh, Child's Play in May as well, 
I gave it two and a half stars because it does have some funny moments. I hate watching it by myself, mainly because it was so long, and I like all the jokes that I wanted to make. They're for myself, and I couldn't have. A, I couldn't enjoy it with friends. <laughs> it's definitely a movie you want to watch with friends, just so you can shit on it. Rest in peace. But Colt, you talking about how you know it's like, oh god, this movie's so long. Uh, just this little period of time where we've been watching movies, where like. If it's a if it is above ninety minutes, I start to roll my eyes. Honestly, I feel the same way. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like, come on, get in and get out. There's so much. You- That's funny because I've been doing the same thing. Shit. <laughs> like when I when I look at a movie that I want to watch, I mean, I you know, I watch those like really long movies, like two hour movies. But like when I look at the when I look at the time of a movie, I'm like, all right, which one's the shortest? And then like kind of divide it between shortest, m- short middle and long and like those you know i like that's how i divide the time because then it's like i can get the maximum amount of time of watching movies in i just throw on whatever i'm wanting to watch time does not affect that's fine that's fair you know like i like i need to force myself to give these two-hour movies a chance you know but there's definitely a time and place with with jonathan and i i think our issue comes in part from we usually get the urge to watch movie like nine o'clock at night on a weekday sort of just like we're not going to watch some two and a half, three hour monstrosity when we got to like turn in for work, you know, the next day. Yeah. But that, that, that hasn't stopped us before. But, but generally it's like quantity as well. Because, like, you know, we could be, because we have so much time and did we, something we started this year, just sort of see more movies and ones on the shorter end that allow for more consumption and to see more. But of course, there's a time and a place for longer movies as well. Oh, yeah. Uh, but going back to horror just for a second, one, I finally got to watch a horror movie this year that we, that was kind of buzzing with us uh, late last year, just with the quarantine and sort of select release. It, it, it just never came to our neighborhood. But um, I watched The Lodge with uh, the house as well. And this movie came with a fair amount of clout. And ultimately, I was just kind of underwhelmed by it. Yeah. Yeah, I enjoyed it a good bit. I just hate those kids so, so much. Those kids are like, this isn't a spoiler, but goddamn, those kids are assholes. If the kids were never born, this movie would be good. You know, that's that's the thing is uh, by the biggest problem with my movie. And again, no spoilers whatsoever. I think I think everybody who listened to this should give it a chance because you might like it. You might not. But I think it deserves to be determined by yourself. For me, it should have took a risk. It should have took a risk. And I think it would have paid off for it if they would have went down that route that they should have, but they didn't. That That's what I'm going to say. It was very, uh, yeah, it was very disappointing. Yeah, still give it a check if you're interested in it. To, to bounce off of what Wenzel was saying, it felt like it felt like it gave it, it gave its hand away too early. Yeah. Where it was like, it was like, oh, I think this is what's going on. But then the movie tries to redirect you. And then it's like, oh, no, this is what's going on. It's like if the, the movie's like showing you a card trick how to do it. And it's like, okay, that's cool. And then tries to pull the card trick on you. And you're like, no, I know what how the card trick it, that's works. That's exactly, exactly. It it it, it, sh- it it shows you the trick, tells you how the trick is done, and then it keeps trying to go forward with it, but it's like, we already know where this is going. Like, it stops right here. <laughs> like, that's where it should, this is where it stops. That's where all the enjoyment stops, right here. And, and talking about how, you know, we're kind of growing impatient with movies over 90 minutes, 
I mean, I think this movie was 90 minutes, but yeah. God damn, it felt so much longer. There are there are a lot of just shots of hallways and just like random room, empty rooms, and and, and I know part of it is just like build the tension or just sort of and show how isolated and sort of yeah like empty it all is because because for those who don't know, it's about a stepmother and her stepchildren being sort of isolated in the cabin while the father's called away on very sudden business. And sort of the, the, the claustrophobia and isolation of it all. But, like, there, there comes a point, you know, we, we, we talked about this several times on the show. There, we watch movies, we understand what the director is trying to get across, but they're kind of like, okay, we get it. Yeah. Kind of move it's on. It's kind of pretentious. Yeah, it is It is a really pretentious movie. It, it's like the worst aspect of the A24 horror movies. Yeah. All rolled into Yeah, one. I would... That being said, the the opening and the the very end, I think, are really good. Yeah, it's just like everything else in the middle was just kind of plotting and not bad, but just boringly competent. Yeah, that that I mean, give it you know, give it a shot. If you like it, you like it. Good for you, you know, because like yeah, because I've seen a lot of people really love it, so. And, you know, the parts that, like, will, you know, that make it shine, you know, like, like Pat said, the claustrophobia and the isolation, like, yeah, you know, if that's, if that's what does it for you, that in the be- the beginning, the end, you know, okay, okay, everybody has different ways to rate and view something, and that's, that's completely understandable. And I will say that, like, what, to me, one of the strongest messages from the movie is sort of, I guess, like, I, I feel like I'm afraid to talk about it because it may get into a spoiler, but, like, I guess maybe slight spoiler ahead, it's sort of like the dangers of like, I guess, manipulating people and, yeah. and gaslighting. Yeah, the, the the moral of this movie is do not gaslight because it ends real bad. Ugh, God. These kids okay. suck. But, but, and we talk about the kids being shits. That dad is the worst character in the fucking movie. I'm well, just saying. I, I don't... I don't know. I don't know. Don't know. We, I mean, we can't really talk about it without spoiling. <laughs> like... I, I'm just saying, the, the dad fucking Not sucks. worse than the kids. I can't understand that. Yeah, dad, keep an eye on your fucking mentally disturbed children. Well, I, and give them some I, therapy. Oh my God. Well, you know what? I would say... I don't know. Maybe the dad is kind of an asshole now that I think about it. I mean... I mean yeah, I, you see what I'm talking about? All right, about if now? we're doing that, maybe the mom was an asshole, too. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, uh, oh, don't put me in this. Well, there, there, don't put me in this. Okay, like because we because we can't talk about it without going to spoilers. There, so let's, let's just say, just let's on, just so. say, you know, the reason why I say that is not not that necessarily he's an asshole, but like you know, he should have maybe he should have taken more priority into looking into looking. God damn it! I don't want just to, no oh. more. It's over. The lodge. It's a movie. It's it's just okay. Yeah, find out for yourself if it's. Work the clout. Yeah. There's one movie I want to really talk about that I, uh, I don't think anybody here has seen, but, like, uh, I saw, I saw briefly, like, a trailer for it last year because, because, like, you know, you, uh, there's, like, a certain sect of, like, YouTube where you get those, like, really, like, not cheap, but, like, those kind of, like, weird oddball sci-fi movies that they'll occasionally see trailers of on there, and this was one of those, and, uh, it came out, like, it came out in 2019, but I, I don't know if it was uh, if it just got put onto uh, Amazon Prime this uh, this year, but I got to watch it, and it's the Vast of Night, and it's pretty much your uh, your kind of like it's a sci-fi thriller, but it's like UFO nineteen 
Sue's. Let me go look at the page. It's either 1950s or 1960s. Kind of that like UFO kind of um, era where like all that stuff was like really starting to be like suspected and talked about during the space race. And uh, it was really good. Just so, man, it was just such a, it was just such a fun like movie, especially like if you're into the whole uh, that you know that whole weird UFO uh conspiracy stuff i i, I definitely I, t- would tell everybody to give it a chance to watch it oh and like the uh the shots too there's this there's this one uh in the very beginning of the movie there's just this one long continuous shot really fucking good i really enjoyed that as well i'm a slut for oneers so i'll probably and like that. the thing is too it's like the focus is specifically on like the two characters so like i think that like for me that kind of like that following of those of those characters and their interactions i think that's just I mean that's basically every movie, but like like these these long continuous shots are like really with just them, and I just think those those are like really really good. And I watched that in uh, June as well. I've watched so many movies. I I I've, going through and like trying to pick out like my favorites or the ones that stuck out. But in June, I watched The Five Bloods. It came out, and it was one that I was looking forward to ever since they uh, announced it. And uh, I watched it, and wow, I enjoyed it very much so. It was very, very good. It's about four Vietnam vets that go back to get uh, to get one of their old friends that died in combat. And I honestly, I feel like it's a movie that that's all you should know before going into it, because it is a ride and a half. Yeah, because me and Pat watched it as well, you know, right as it dropped on Netflix, and I thought it was pretty good, like... I don't think I liked it as much as you did, Colt, but, I mean, it was still... Re- I mean, it's Spike Lee. For all of his eccentricities as a director, I still think he's one of the most unique out there. And so, yeah, I thought this uh, this movie was pretty good. The, um, there were parts of it that I felt were kind of, cl- like, trite and cliche, which, like, seeing some of Spike Lee's other stuff, even though he's not, like, a very subtle director, there's a lot of originality to him. So, I I don't know, see him do this movie, which apparently was him and and his other writer uh, reworked a script from Oliver Stone, who is a famous uh, director from the late 80s and early 90s. And I could really tell the holdovers from Oliver Stone's uh, script because there there was a lot of I don't know how really how to say it without uh, spoiling it, but a lot of there were a lot of like very cliched moments where it's like okay, this is what this movie's doing, and it uh, that kind of kind of made me roll my eyes with about it. But thematically and what the movie has to say, I think it's really interesting. Because I agree, because there's definitely a lot the movie has has to say that's very very prescient right now in terms of like it's like civil rights and uh oppression uh, but also it, we give it we get a perspective that we don't really get to see in movies and that's mm-hmm. like black experience in the military especially in vietnam when black men were white were being enlisted far more than their white counterparts and sort of seeing the, the effects in different ways and plus like Having because you have like the the three veterans who are coming back. We also have one character who has a very interesting position: is that he's a black man, but he's also like a supporter of Donald Trump and a, and a MAGA uh, believer, which may sound illogical, but it's it's true. It does happen, and seeing like his very deeply flawed like life and mindset, and just like 
just sort of the, the damage that has been done to him psychically from the war and just sort of living a life. I find that if it was, it was one way very compelling, although there were like a few moments, that, like you said, Donson said, there were like a few trite moments, but I think it's very much worth to watch. Be, be of course, forewarned, it's, it's a very violent, explicit movie. Of course, going this is a Vietnam movie, so expect a lot of heavy content going in. Yeah, but like that being said, I was surprised at how much of it took place in present day. Mm-hmm. And, and but there is a turn the movie makes about a third of the way through because it was like, okay, this is this is fun. Oh, 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 like <laughs> like me and Pat were like, wait, what? N- n- okay, that happened. Yeah, because I think I know what you're talking about, and that when that moment hits, it just knocks you on your ass. That was the second win for me. I, I, I was like, yes, feed me. I don't want to say any more about it, because I really think you should go into this as blind as possible. Yeah, I want to check it out, because everybody's been talking about it in our friend group. So it, it's, it, to me, I definitely think it's one of the, the higher-end movies from 2020. It's definitely worth going out and checking out. It's on Netflix, so... That's something everybody has, more or less, so you definitely get to check that one out. One movie for me that Jonathan and I also watched, is probably, it's probably sitting at the top of my pile for best 2020 movies, and that's Shirley. It was on, it's on Hulu streaming, and it's about the life of uh, Shirley Jackson, the, the famous uh, American novelist, and it's sort of dealing with her, like, mental, like, her mental fragility and like struggle as a writer, but also dealing with her very tumultuous marriage and her budding friendship with a cup with a wife of a couple that moves in with them, her and her husband, and be, and it's 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 shot in such an interesting way because it, because Shirley Jackson was a famous American novelist who specialized in horror. There are different moments in the movie that are shot like a horror movie, and it does it so well. And like just like Elizabeth Moss is plays Shirley Jackson and she has such a unlike she has a venom about her that's just so fun to watch but uh, but at the same time it's 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 a little repellent because she is a, a very hard character to empathize with in certain ways because she is so outwardly un I guess acerbic but once you start to find more about her mindset and her life and her marriage it it all makes more sense and just sort of like just how just the deep hole people get in with sort of like being confined to their mental illness and the expectations that people put on them. To me, it's like, it's, it's a fantastic movie. And also it really, you know, not to spoil too much, but it sort of explores the, the rumors or the thoughts that she was a very, that she was a closeted queer woman. And it, and it sort of it goes into that a little bit. And that, that's a, that's, a, that's a sort of a large portion of the movie and to me, this is one of my highly recommended movies for 2020. Yeah, just all of what Pat said. It, it was really good. It was really interesting. And it's it, it's strangely bizarre, but also familiar at the same time. Because uh, like once the credits came up, they were in the font of like you would see in like an early to mid 90s movie. That was like kind like one of those like sentimental dramedies. But I don't know. And the movie doesn't end in a way you would think. It ends in a way that is more realistic. And I mean, and part of that's because it's based off a real person. They're constrained about uh, the real life of that person. Because it's it's definitely like historical fiction. Like it, it plays with real people and their actual history. But it, it sort of explores like this figurative aspect of their life that can, can up, up to a, it's 
finally proven to be either confirmed or denied. So it's to me like it's it's a it's a great movie. And like John said, the way the movie ends, it ends interestingly in the way it's shot because the credits are rolling as the movie is still playing, which yeah. you don't really see. At least not anymore. But yeah. Highly recommend. It was on Hulu. Right? It was on Hulu. Yeah. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, I want to see that too. Um, again, a lot of big buzz about it. Also, for me, I uh, for June, I actually made a list of movies to watch, and I uh, I watched them all. There was twelve movies. The Vast of Night was on there, and so was The Lodge. There's another movie I watched, Snatchers. wasn't I liked it, but wasn't as good as literally the rest of these movies on here. But two movies because I want to talk about because Colt watched them as well was Prince uh, Prince of Darkness and In the Mouth of Madness, both by John Carpenter. Yeah. And and they're part of the um, the Apocalypse trilogy, which is also has The Thing. And uh, goddamn, both are great, in my opinion. I watched Prince of Darkness first because that's the order they're kind of in. And uh, it's like, it's a, no, it's a sci-fi horror, cosmic horror, because uh, this church priest finds... Uh, a mysterious green vat of liquid and there's some brotherhood of the church called the brotherhood of silence you know secret and uh he recruits the help of a physics professor and his uh and some graduate students to uh figure this out and it's like it's just so ah man it's just so fucking good what do you what do you think of it colt prince of darkness was really really good uh, it was my favorite of the two uh in the mouth of madness and well no in the Mouth of Madness is my favorite of the two, but Prince of Darkness has some moments that are really, really good. Like, uh, I feel like there are some... The highs in Prince of Darkness are a little higher than Mouth of Madness, and, like, Mouth of Madness is just con- more consistent throughout. But uh, Prince of Darkness was really, really good. Uh, I really enjoyed the whole giant vat of green goo that holds in satan well <laughs> fuck there you go boys well i mean it's the print it's called prince of darkness no i mean like it's fine i, I just didn't know if we wanted to do that yeah that green vat is satan <laughs> yeah <laughs> uh i mean what that movie came out in the like late 80s because so. i feel like that because prince of darkness is such a well-known horror movie that even people like me who only have a cursory knowledge of it i was aware that the green goo was related to satan but wait does that mean does that mean that Nickelodeon has secretly been working for Satan the whole time with the slime? You shut your mouth, Pat. Don't you give this away for them. Everyone's watching. There is one thing that's weird about it for me is Satan's messengers, which is uh, homeless people. I don't think this gave them a, a good rap, even though they pro- they didn't have a good rap from years and years of mistreatment, but still. Like some un- un- yeah. un- unfortunate implications by doing that, maybe. Yeah, because like, cause I don't think, I mean, I'd like to think that John Carpenter wasn't like, yeah, let's make homeless people uh, the messengers of Satan. Because the homeless people, um, they were just, you know, they were literally just being controlled because they were near his uh, his tube. I just, oh, man, I don't know, like, it, like the whole, just the whole take on it, like in general, like instead of like, you know, your usual, like, Satan's in hell, God's in heaven, you know, biblical this, biblical that. It's more of, like, Satan's been reduced to a primordial ooze, and he has to, you know, he's been sealed away scientifically by some ancient high-tech science from some civilization. I don't know. It was just, to me, that was cool, but I think Colt agreed, uh, Colt told me this, and I agree with him, is that the main character that we're following is a fucking creep. Yeah. (laughs) Looking like a fucking cop, like... Oh man, that was just so weird. Cause like he kept like staring at uh at this woman that's in his like one of his fellow uh, classmates in his physics class or whatever. He just kept staring at her, 
And then he was like, oh, what the fuck did he say? He said something so fucking stupid to her. Oh, it man. was highly no. offensive. It was highly offensive. And he and like he was like, he was like, wait a minute. I didn't imagine this to go that way. Can we start over? And it's like, then they end up having sex later. And it's like, oh, so, what? Man, what the fuck was it? It was so stupid. Whatever. Anyway, watch this movie. It's great. And then there's In the Mouth of Madness was, I don't even know where to begin. It's so, it was so freaking good. It, um, like the thing is, is like all these movies are just so different. And like, I gave them all five stars because they're all, they're each unique in their own way but in the mouth madness is just an absolutely insane movie um it has um S- sam neil playing the main character and uh he's great i don't know what is it with him in uh playing these weird uh these weird crazy guys in uh in movies because he was also in event horizon as well if anybody's seen that he's apparently in a lot of movies that i didn't realize he was in yeah jurassic park and thor ragnarok he was in thor ragnarok yeah apparently I did not know that. The strange ubiquity of Sam Neill. Yeah, I guess so. But uh, yeah, definitely check those out. Uh, I still think the thing is the best of the three, but these definitely need to be checked out. They're very good. As, as long as we're getting back into horror groove, I think we Johnson and I need to talk about one of the scariest movies we saw this year for certain, and that of course being Artemis Fowl. Oh God. Oh, oh my God. <laughs> Oh fuck! Where to start on that piece of shit? God, it was it was such a fucking insanely dumb ride because the movie is isn't that as movies like ninety minutes max, but it feels like it's somehow burning to get through its material and goes nowhere fast, but also taking as much time as possible to do everything in the movie. Yeah, and. Kenneth Branagh made some choices. That's what I'll say. This is definitely a paycheck movie. Like he, uh, he got he got his light bill paid that month. That's for sure. I'm all for not beating the shit out of kids. I know that's a very <laughs> that's a like, weird stance. That's a, that's a weird stance. That's a brave. Also, that, also that's a very interesting soundbite for anybody who takes it out of context. <laughs> oh fuck it, but. The main kid in the movie, I just want to slug the entire time. <laughs> he is such a condescending piece of shit with no charisma at all. And it's, uh, I, I don't know how, like, it, he makes me irrationally angry. I like, mean, part of the gimmick is, like, Artemis Fowl, like, in the books, like, he's this super smart kid who's like, I'm better than you and I'm so smart. And, like, that's part of his character arc and how he evolves from that but since this is obviously going to be a stillborn franchise like i don't expect any more to come from after the performance of this movie it's just like he's just a a little snot the whole movie but at the same time he's just but he's not he's infuriating but not is he a dentist the menace but not intentional like you said no he's more condescending where he like, there, there's a scene early on in the movie where uh, he gets called to the principal's office because he's sitting in class and he's bored. And the principal is like, all right, Artemis, you need to try. And he's like, I don't want to because y'all don't challenge me. And that chair you have is actually from this time period and it's not the real thing. So sure. fuck you. And then, like, Mike drops and walks out. And I'm like, shut the fuck God, damn. up. Because, like, he's, like, the smartest person in the world like he's nine years old and he's like just so like scathingly intelligent he looks down at everyone he can like pick apart like some 14th century forgery just by with a glance like he's just like super smart and conditioned to be like this this uh 
prodigy of extreme prowess. And then um, Homeboy's papa gets kidnapped by... Um, who's played by Colin Farrell, who's just sleepwalking at this point. Yeah, like by by the, the Hildeferic and the, the other uh, hidden people. And then uh, the, the little kid gets involved in like the fairy wars. Yeah, because there's like this other fairy world. And then what's the what was the MacGuffin called? Because they say it like every five I seconds. I fucking swear to God, they say that goddamn word so many fucking times. The I can't remember what it was. or something? I like, can't even remember what it, the fuck it was. It was. They said it a hundred times. It was something really fucking dumb. If, if you took a drink every time they said it in their first 30 minutes, you would have alcohol poisoning. Yeah, you would have to get your fucking stomach pumped. And, and like the fairy world, like mostly follow this um, this one lady fairy who apparently's dad like rebelled against the fairy people or like it, it makes no goddamn sense. I'm understanding. I don't know what you're talking um, about. Yeah, I get it. And then you follow her, and then Josh Gad's character. Who the more I see Josh Gad, like that little kid, I just fucking can't stand him. I, I bet he's a nice guy. Like I would probably love to have a beer with him. But goddamn, because I also watched Frozen Two like a couple weeks ago, and he was fucking insufferable in that fucking movie. Because Josh Gad gets paid uh, probably an obscene amount of money to be like the irritating comic relief character and. Pretty much every movie that Disney has cast him in so far. Yeah, and he's like the... And the framing device of this movie is him being interrogated by, like, the CIA or something. And he like and he's essentially recounting the entire story while in captivity. He's like, y'all won't be able to stop him. He's blah, 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 blah. And, it's like, and also, he has a Batman voice the entire oh, time, yeah. too. Yeah. Yeah. It, hell yeah. But the best slash worst part of this movie, though, is Dame Judy Dench. Oh, yeah. Oh my God! <laughs> As the captain of the of the guard, she's like the leader of, of the like SWAT team, special forces organization that are leprechauns. They have these bright green leather matrix suit signs, and they're just zipping around. And like Dame Judy Dance is nigh on immobile for the most of the movie. It's just her, tight close shots of her just standing like rigid and still and walking on a Segway, and like she's also talking in a Batman voice. Yes. Apparently, everyone just thought it was cool to have, like, Batman voice. So she's talking like she's Terry, who is a smoker. And there was one moment in this movie that (laughs) I threw up in my fucking mouth. Because there's, like, this big battle scene towards the end of the movie with a bunch of fucking stupid CGI shit that you don't give a fuck about. So it's like this Normandy invasion type thing where they they get on the beach. So she gets out of the... uh, her little ship, and she's walking down the runway, and she has a stupid fucking helmet on, and out of nowhere just says, top of the morning to you. Because, like, it's meant to be this badass line, because she pops up with, like, her big, like, shield helicarrier spaceship, and, like, all these, like, big dump ships of, like, just fairy swatting, just, like, spilling out, like, ants. And they just like surround Artemis's house on the beach, and they're ready to fuck shit up. And she's just like, "That's gonna be her pre-ass kicking, like, call like one-liner." The way you're describing it is making me feel sick. It reminds me of like uh, sometimes when you guys let me and Wenzel run free and do r- stupid shit. Uh, that's what it reminds me of. Hey, no, no, because y'all are actually entertaining and funny. Okay. 
Thank this you. movie is soulless and hollow. I was about to say. So, <laughs> because, god damn. And then there's some, like, unfortunate implications with the butler, too. Because the the butler is, is, a, is a black man who's, like... Who's call, whose name is literally Butler. Oh. But don't you call him Butler. But, like, they, they like, make a big deal out of that, but nothing comes of it. And and, and it's just so, like, it just felt like Disney's back on its bullshit of wanting to appear more diverse and caring than they actually do. Yeah, there's a, there's being woke, and then there's being Disney woke. Which is just sort of just like, we'll just throw a, we'll just throw a diverse cast at the wall and just with no thought of what any of the characters may mean and how it may be perceived. And it's like just the fact that they take up space, that's enough to give them good press. Yeah. Which it, is like, that's, that's a big problem. You know, you need to put some thought and consideration into, and in perception and actually give a shit and not just try to get your, get your points from Twitter to get, it's basically they're doing enough to appease the most amount of people. As, as long as the most amount of people get off their back, that's what matters. Yeah, it, it was... Uh, it's just not a good movie. And it just... It feels like the first act of a movie. Because I remember we got to the end and I was like, is this it? Like, I mean, I'm glad it's over, but was that it? Because it literally felt... It was like just the build-up to like what would be the rest of the movie. And then the rest of the movie doesn't happen. That's probably where they're playing the Artemis Fowl trilogy. Yeah, or no, not even a, I don't even. But I mean, it's based off of like a nine book fucking Oh, the saga series. then. But they, they obviously meant, yeah, I was about to say, that, meant that, to be a franchise. That's like, that's like their, uh, you know, uh, the one, uh, we're not going to say her name, but that one person. The next really Harry good, Potter. Motherfucker. <laughs> we didn't say her name. We just said Harry. I mean, sure, but I don't even yeah. know if I want to say that name either. Okay, Harry Potter. The next Harry Potter is what they're looking for, and I don't think they found it. Nah. And, and the thing is, is like they're like 20 years too late at this yeah. point yeah, to it, bank off like Harry Potter. Because Artemis Fowl came out like when I was a young teenager, like early 2000s. Like, I think like the first book came out in like 2001 or something like yeah, that. Yeah, like obviously, I mean... Probably why the reason why the movie's in shambles because they've been trying since 2001 to get it off the ground. It just took them literally 20 years for it to happen, and now nothing really is going to come of it. Yeah, so enough of this piece of shit. Don't watch it. Uh, and now I actually talk about a good movie. Once I really started the uh, getting into the mode of, okay, I'm going to try to watch 100 movies by the end of the year, I decided to go through all of Paul Thomas Anderson's movies, mostly because there are only eight of them. <laughs> so, you, you know, you can get through them pretty quick. And w- one, the, the probably the best of his films, and me and Pat watched it, was There Will Be Blood. Mm, yes. And a lot, you know, like a lot of movies, especially like really like artsy good movies, you know, where it... it it ends, and you don't know what to think of it, but the more you think on it, it's like, okay, yeah, that, that's really good. This movie, the the minute the credits came up, I was like, fuck, this is a masterpiece. It is so fucking good. Uh, Daniel Day-Lewis, this is his best role, hands down. And oh, there are just so many scenes that stick out in my mind of just people screaming, and it's great. And everyone should watch it. All right, because um, uh, because Andy Lewis, like, like it's a movie about a intentionally 
unlikable character. Oh, he is such a piece of shit. Like, he's a, a objectively bad person. But you're still... Because the movie is... The plot is really more so a, a vehicle for his character and what he does over the course of the, of, of the period of the movie. And just see, even though how he's just objectively despicable how even within that is it can be a compelling story and have like a nuance of his character and humanity because he's he's a he's an oil tycoon he's, and he's trying obviously trying to wring money out of the town that, for their oil and he, it's what he's and how he um how, how much he feels and loves for his son who uh who's not actually his own son now don't get too much in that if you haven't seen it but so, yeah, I mean, and that that's in like the first like five minutes of the movie. So, so but it's sort of it's a it's a really interesting sort of character exploration. How even even someone who seems deprived of humanity may even have a glimmer of it, and what that person does with, with that with that one little bit of it. Yeah, and, and just on top of just all of what you said, it's an amazing character study the highlight of the movie is his character playing off Paul Dano's character, who's a very charismatic evangelist type of preacher. And and they're sort of fighting for control over this town. And they have this like very tense agreement, but just seeing the little snipes they do at each other, it's just fucking great. And like, ah, Like, I'm all over the place because there's so much of this movie that's just really fucking good. But there's one scene, the first scene we actually see Paul Dano's character preach, where it, like, follows him out of the church, was like, holy shit. Because you get why this guy is, like, charismatic, even though he's, uh... How he's a little shit. Oh, he's a little fucking cunt. He is... Oh, he's so slimy. And... You see how he gets into people's, like... Like minds and imagination, and and like has enveloped just falling at people in town. So you understand like the powers quote he has, but at the same time, just you're just like, what a sniveling little turd you are. Oh man! And the fact that PTA and Daniel Day Lewis made the line, "I drink your milkshake," not fucking stupid, and actually like really poignant, was like, fuck. Because for the longest time, that was all I knew about the movie was that one quote taken out of context. Because it, because taken out of context, it's really silly. But like seeing it within the context of the film, it's like, fuck, and just oh man, and, and just how it ends. It's so hard to talk about without going into spoilers. But it is on Netflix. The last I checked. All right. Uh, and if it and if it's not on Netflix, the Blu-ray's pretty cheap. So yeah. This definitely, I would say, go out of your way to watch it. It's it's a fantastic movie. It's one of the the three five stars I've given out in this movie and, and to, to movies this year so far. Yeah, it's definitely one on one of the handful, and and just sort of uh, other movies of his I recommend. Uh, Boogie Nights, which is about the porn industry, uh, this group of characters in the porn industry in the late seventies and the eighties. It's really fucking good. Also, Twink Icon John C. Riley. Yeah, yes. you didn't know that. And uh, that movie's really good. Uh, Punch Drunk Love, which I guess with like uncut gems is like one of the few dramatic roles that Adam Sandler's in. It's a really, and it's a good like love story movie, even if it's unconventional. 
And then uh, the last of, of his movies I will recommend is Phantom Thread, which is his most recent movie. And the best way I can describe it, it's like a perverse Jane Austen novel where everyone is just really snarky and sarcastic and sniping, but it's about this relationship. Whereas in like most Jane Austen novels, it's about this like this couple, even though they have their problems, they're perfect for each other and they come together. This is about a couple who's just like super fucking toxic, but just seeing how they they genuinely care for each other, but they keep pushing each other away because of their individual eccentricities. And, and like it takes a turn toward like because it it's kind of a meandering story because it's sort of just like events of these people's lives but then it takes a turn like within the last 15 minutes of the movie that kind of puts a lot of it into context and it's like like if I were to tell you what it was you probably would be like oh that's you know that's not too big but like seeing it in the movie it's like oh shit so yeah I and that one also has Daniel Day-Lewis supposedly his last movie oh hmm. all right yeah, I, I've been wanting to check out a bunch of his movies. I just didn't realize it was the same director. Because uh, Tanner told me to check out Punch Drunk, Dr- Punch Drunk Love and Boogie Nights. And uh, I've been wanting to see... Uh, oh, shit. Blood. Blood. There will, there be, will blood be blood. Because uh, I just keep seeing it on my Netflix recommendations. So uh, now that I know that it's by the same director, and like getting the recommendation from you... I might just check those out soon. Yeah, and I mean it's uh, it's uh, like I said, it's on Netflix as far as I know. It is a little long. It is two and a half hours, but it it, it doesn't fill it. It goes by pretty quick. To uh, go into my favorite movie that I've seen, one of my favorite movies that I've seen. It's an old one. It's uh, Come and See. It came out in 1985. And let me tell you, it oh, is, yeah. oh, it's fuck. a rough one. I, I uh, Wenzel went and got a haul from the Barnes & Noble because they had a Criterion sale. And I saw that and I was like, Come and See. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've been meaning to watch that. And uh, I jumped on it like 30 minutes after I saw Wenzel had the haul. I was like, okay. And then I jumped right into it and I was like, man... This is sad. It's about a uh, you watch the innocents uh, die. You watch innocents die. You watch a child become a husk. Yeah. Um. I uh, like like Cole. I've just heard that like it's like it's a horror. It's like a horror movie, but not like a horror as in like something supernatural or anything. It's horror like the horror of war. And like when I went to Barnes and Noble, I was because I I see people talking about it all the time. And uh, when I went there, I was like. I couldn't find their copy, so I had to ask, and they had, like, one copy left. They, like, sold – like, that was the last copy. They sold out. Uh, and I checked everywhere else. I think everywhere else was also sold out of this movie. So, like, that I don't know. That just shows, like, you know, its popularity. But, like, man, I, I'm very uh, I'm very excited to uh, watch it. <laughs> yeah, like, uh, it's set during World War II, and uh, it's the, after the Nazis invade – I don't know how to pronounce this. Uh, Belarus, Belarus, Belarus. Nazis invaded Belarus, Russia, and uh, it's very rough. Uh, I know the heart takes say fuck Nazis, but man, coming out of this movie, you really it reinvigorates your hatred, 
And uh, in our chat, I sent a message. I said, like, I think it's important to, like, watch, like, documentaries or something on along the lines of, like, uh, World War II with Nazis. Just to remind yourself, like, truly how bad the Nazis were. Like, you can just sit there and think, yeah, Nazis are bad, duh. But, like, it just made me, makes me realize, like, I shouldn't become numb to, like, these neo-Nazis and these people that identify as Nazis and want to do all these terrible things. Yeah, because that, from what I've heard, the movie is the logical extinction of, you know, Nazism and fascism as a whole. Yeah, the yeah the movie is just one big, like, it's really a huge anti-war film, which is also why it took it, um, it took a while for it to even get made and, like, because it was, uh, the director is, uh, russian i believe um and they were in soviet union at the time making it and the soviet union had to uh the whatever department has to approve it and it like it got revised or so many times until finally it it was officially um allowed to be uh distributed and um man yeah no i mean it's like uh like fuck nazis man yeah fuck nazis (laughs) the bottom line you can have for a person just like Obviously, fuck Nazis. Yeah, just because it's, it's really not that hard to not. Yeah, be a Nazi. if you ever see you anybody know. say, "Well, you need to hurt them," I, I'm okay with that stance. Yes, because <laughs> like I don't know, yeah. like I because me personally, you know, having been in history class and even English class, we learned so much about World War II and the Holocaust, and it's like there you just hear so many accounts. I read parts of Mouse. Uh, we we heard uh or we listened to or read a transcript i think of uh Eli Wiesel's uh biography i can't remember exactly are are you talking about night i think so yeah and yeah, like I, I, and like i had to read that in high school and that was just like heart wrenching and it's just like I, I just it just baffles me that there's people out there who say the Holocaust didn't happen. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Even people during the day when it was happening, they were de- they were denying that was that it was real. Mm-hmm. That it, that it was just a made up story. Like, yeah. Oh my God, Jesus! It's just it it is just insane. Uh, the apathy. It, yeah. It... And um, just just a movie that's come out this year that's that people have really said it strikes a similar tone with come and see it's i think it's available for for rent on streaming right now and that's called the painted bird and it's it's very much a deeply unsettling like like soul crushing look at just the the brutality of nazism because about it's about a young boy as well who's sort of Starts off, he's like, you know, he paints, you know, paints barns and just like, like a very sort of menial job for a child. And just how like his entire world is just like slowly crushed and destroyed. And over this long period of time, much like the movie, and it's, it's a very much an, an exercise in just showing how deeply inhumane and brut- brutal their actions were. And that, that's a movie that came out this year. I haven't heard too many talk, people talk about because it it's just a lot of people don't know when these theatrical release movies just get silently dropped on streaming. But that's one I've heard that comes with a fair amount of acclaim. And if if that's something that you have the mental energy to to, to watch, I think that will come with um, 
I think that will come with a good recommendation, along with come and see and well, of course, tread lightly. I mean, uh, tread carefully because it's it's a very dense and Intense. impactful movie. Yeah, yeah. There's actually uh, on a different note. Uh, speaking of t- Criterion, I actually have uh, these four Criterion movies that I watched uh, in June as well. Uh, two of them are made by the same director, uh, Chris Marker. Uh, it's uh, Le Jeté and uh, Saint Salel. And uh, if you don't know, Le Jeté is the inspiration for Interstellar. And uh, that was made back in 1962. And it's like, it's just a film. It's only 30 minutes long. Um, and it's just entirely a um, photo. It's just photographs. That's how it's told through photograph stills, black and white ones. And um, it's just about a, um, there was some kind of like nuclear war that caused everybody to go underground. And uh, there's one group that's been experimenting with uh, time travel. And um, so, like, they're trying to send people back. And our, the, our main character is um, uh, he's able to go back. But the only reason why is because there's uh, he has this strong image in his mind of a woman that is uh, that connects him to this point in time. And that's how he's able to travel through time. It's really it's really good. And I think it's um, it's worth the the watch it's it's sure and you know even though it's done through photograph stills you'll definitely be um not entertained but like you'll be able to you'll be able to watch it i mean i was and uh, it's narrated um you can have it in english or french i chose french because i like the um the french uh voice or whatever and then uh sans Soleil is I, I for that one i did it with uh english instead um that one is t- uh is came out in 1983 and that one's more um, it's shot like uh, it's like a it's just like a woman narrating the thoughts and letters of some person who traveled the world, uh, whether like they went from Japan to getting Basu, Iceland, and San Francisco, and it's just like this beautiful like footage of all these different places and this person just talking about um this traveler who's just meditating on like time and memory. It's really really good, and um, I think anybody who has the time to could should watch both of these um i don't they're uh yeah they're on criterion so if you have criterion or if you have canopy uh you can watch them on canopy and uh or (laughs) you know there's a criterion still happening right now uh they come together in one blu-ray set so you can buy it you know it'll be 20 bucks since it's half off and then um another uh, criterion movie i watched recently the seventh seal really fucking good by ignore burnham Woof! Woo! Sorry. Uh, woof. Yeah, I picked that one up on uh, the sale too. I've been picking up a lot of these stupid fucking movies. Like, the, not they're not stupid, but yeah, you, you know, it. a lot of these criteria. <laughs> and and uh, that that was one of them because that's a movie I've been watch wanting to watch for a while, and I still haven't. But man, based off of what everyone everyone said, including Wenzel, it's wild. It's it's really fucking good. Uh, and then, oh, I don't even know what to say about Seventh Seal. Just uh, if you get a chance, watch it. Uh, <laughs> another criteria, and kind of pigging. Uh, so, sorry to interrupt, but also because um, I watched another Bergman movie, which was a uh, Persona. Oh yeah, it's really fucking weird, but I highly recommend it. Oh okay, I I mean like 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 I mean I I don't know what to make of yeah. it, and I saw it like a few months ago. But like that being said, I, I it is. The, the imagery in the movie and the 
cinematography that's really striking. Yeah, that's the same thing with The Seventh Seal. It's very, uh, especially that cover, man. I don't know, if you go to Letterboxd and you look at that cover, it's just so good. Shot in 1957, so, it's so ridiculous how beautiful it is. And, like, also, like, the fact that, like, it can relate so much, like, what it has to say is, like, relatable and poignant to today. Oh, man, it's just, ooh, so good. I love it. Yeah. Uh, I'm super excited to get to that um, one. And another Criterion I watched, and I I know Jonathan and Pat watched it last night, is uh, Videodrome. Long live the new flesh! Long live the new flesh. <laughs> it, the way, oh my god. god, the way he says it, I, I don't know why, it's just stuck in my head. James Woods, I never, I don't think I've ever watched a James Woods movie before. I didn't know, I realized how skinny he was. Like the the thing is, is James Woods does the voice of Hades in uh, the Disney movie Hercules. Never mind, I take it back. <laughs> so like I'm like the entire time, and, and I mean, and Hades is his real yeah. voice. So you, you, you I, I, it was hard for me to separate, you, you know, cartoon villain from this, you know, body. And horror. then it's yeah. even harder to separate James Wood from the character because he sucks shit in real life. <laughs> oh yeah, he, he he's a fucking asshole. But yeah, Videodrome. That's, I definitely want to see that. Uh, yeah, Video Videodrome is a fun time. Uh, <laughs> I, I I I can't get over. He fucking takes a piece piece of pizza crust and dips it in his coffee. I I don't know why that bothers me, but like the, it doesn't bother me because I think it's disgusting. It bothers me because I want to try it. What <laughs> the fuck? Because <laughs> no, all- so obviously uh, in, in a movie where there's there's like weird uh, torture sex and body um, modifications and, and chest you, vaginas no spoilers, and like all it. sorts of all sorts of physical depravity him dipping old crusty pizza into his coffee that's obviously the most gut-wrenching thing yeah in the movie. because like because like he just looks so greasy and then I'm like yeah that makes sense <laughs> I don't know you might as well start dipping chicken nuggets in dr pepper if you start doing that shit. Oh, fuck off. <laughs> Man. I mean, I might start doing oh. that now. Re- replacing um, Polynesian sauce with uh, Nutella for chicken nuggets. Fuck. Oh, disgusting. Yes. Oh. Um, yeah, Videodrome is just a crazy fun time. Oh man, I knew, I want to check out uh, I want to check out um another one of uh Cronenberg's movies. It did uh, this one called The Brood. I've been really wanting to uh, see that as well um that's also that's actually another cronenberg movie another cronenberg movie i watched actually this month july was scanners which was fucking awesome too fuck love scanners yeah the movie that that's most known for the head explosion to beat all head explosions ah man those those head explosions and then also uh when they when they're fucking uh Oh man, just the 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 battles, uh, like with the the bot, like the 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 effects, the practical effects are really fucking good. And there's uh, but man, the guy who plays the main character in Scanners, Stephen, uh, I keep thinking his name is uh, Cameron, but no, that's his character's name, Cameron Vale. The guy who plays him, Stephen Lack, lacking all personality whatsoever, so bland. Voice was monochromatic, or not mono, it was mono, monotoned. And and just and, and the thing is, is like. You know, talking about, like, just Cronenberg in general, but specifically Videodrome, it is, you know, gross-out body horror movie, but it actually has a lot really poignant things to say about our relationship with technology and, and the nuanced ways of how that, how it literally becomes a a part of ourselves and stuff like that. It's, there's a bunch of think pe- uh, 
think pieces about it. You should like after you watch, you should go read like consumption for the sake of consumption and just sort of and how we consume violence. Like we, yeah, and even though you might say like, oh, you, you know, like this doesn't have like a plot or characters or theme or whatever. That's it still has underlying messages that get to that penetrate through you. You know. All puns intended. Because but, there's a lot of fucking in the movie, too. Oh, yeah. It's really hor- uh, grossly, grossly horny. Grossly horny, yeah. Uh, so, yeah. I definitely recommend if you have the stomach for it. Yeah. Which, I mean, it's for, like, what you would think a body horror would movie. It is surprisingly tame. Yeah, because I, cause I was going in, I was kind of expecting to be more disturbed and off-put. But, like, there's definitely some gross stuff in there. But I, I was... Uh, Kind of surprised I was able to get through it. If you want to be grossed out, watch The Fly. Oh, yes, yeah. watch The Fly. The Fly's so good. And, and if you also want to be grossed out, something that me and Pat have been sort of on a kick on <laughs> is uh, the filmography of the great John Waters. The the auteur John Waters. Because we, uh, earlier... The, the we, Pope of Trash himself. Early in the spring, we watched Paint Flamingos. And then Jonathan, on, on his criterion kick, he got uh, Female Trouble, which some people say is a more palatable version of Pink Flamingos, but it's still, it's still off-putting, but man, is it fun to watch, because it's just, just raunchy and gross and just bad in all the best ways. Oh, oh God. Yeah, I will say, it's definitely not for everybody. You have to have a very particular taste to enjoy Especially early John Waters before he made more commercial movies, but yeah, like there are so many quotes of those movies that are just fucking great. Like when fucking Divine goes off in Pink Flamingos and he's like, "They're like, what are your politics? Kill everyone now. Condone first degree murder. Advocate cannibalism. Eat shit." (laughs) What the fuck? (laughs) And like one of my one of my favorite lines. From uh, female trouble is uh, one of one of the is a character named Gator's mother, <laughs> and she is a she's a very um, she's an elderly plus size woman who has like this like barely tied together dominatrix outfit on for a majority of the movie, and she kind of turns the idea of like a of a parent. Who's not open with their? Who's not on board with their child's sexuality? Trying to get them to date a person of a and a straight couple. She's the opposite. Her son is very clearly a straight man, but she wants him to be gay, and she keeps trying to fix him up with boys. And she's like, she gets mad that he gets involved with Divine's character. And my favorite line is like, "Get away from him, you hetero stink shit." <laughs> what the? F- <laughs> what the fuck is going on? God, and, and there are just so many. Moments of those movies, uh, and, and God, so much nudity. You're gonna see so many cocks, and also it's un, it's deeply unflattering nudity. Like everyone in the movie is butt ass ugly, and gets <laughs> and you just see full full peen full vagine, all of it, and it just and it's all gross. This and sounds it's amazing. awesome. Yeah, like like I said, it's not for everybody. There's definitely some stuff that hasn't aged well but if you know the context of john waters and what he was trying to do it's not mean-spirited in 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 a way 
except to the characters <laughs> like Mink Stoll says in uh, Pink Lift Flamingos. There are just two kinds of people, Miss Sandstone, my kind of people, and assholes. <laughs> and I know which one you fit into. <laughs> but God. Uh, there's just so many things about like in female trouble at the end where divine's like who's ready who wants to die for art <laughs> and the one guy in the audience is like me and she literally just caps him it's great <laughs> hey it's 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 a hoot like if, if you if you have the stomach and feel a bit adventurous in your cinematic uh, uh take i i would definitely recommend it because John and I, we both had a blast watching Pink Flamingos and Female Trouble, and you can expect us to dive deeper into the trash that is John Waters' filmography. Yeah. Let's just say there is a singing asshole at one point. Sounds like Family Guy level shit. What the fuck? Oh, yeah. It's great. Y'all should watch it. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I... Uh, you just said singing asshole. Now I want to move on to something else that's serious. Uh, I watch, rewatched 2001 Space Odyssey. Um, oh, that, that's a classic. A classic indeed, because I remember as a kid, I was fucking bored. And now I watched it as a doll, and I'm like, Jesus Christ, is this an amazing movie? Oh, yeah. Like, I remember the first, because I watched 2001 when I was a lot older for the first time. And I just remember watching it being like, I'm so glad I did not watch this when I was a teenager because I would have been bored to tears. Oh, yeah. Like, that probably would have colored your perception on it and wanted to revisit it. Yeah, because it, it, it's like, I mean, it has hardly any dialogue throughout the entire movie. Yeah. And like, I think it goes like 30 minutes without like a single like spoken line of dialogue. Something like that. There, there's very little. Uh, I don't want to say too much uh, just because I know Colt wants to watch it. But, uh... If you if you if you're not like if you want to if, if those listening if you want to give it a chance I, I say watch it because you know 2001 is also like what uh, influenced and inspired a lot of sci-fi later as well. Um, yeah. Uh, also another movie I watched. Uh, gonna <laughs> call me by your name. Watch that movie um, because Tanner and Cody have been hyping it up for like a thousand years now, and you know even though even though I kind of like low key like lowball it like because like I gave it five stars and I'm just kind of like eh. It was great, <laughs> but like <laughs> it was just okay. Five stars, <laughs> but that but that's very on brand for Winslow, though. Because like I don't know, it's like it's great, it, like really, like it's I don't know, it's it's a it's great, but like it's just so weird because I don't I don't know how I feel about that relation relationship in the movie. Isn't one of them sixteen and one of them's like twenty something? No, one of them's one of them's seventeen. And that's Elio, and then Oliver is like he's twenty four. Twenty four. Yeah. Yeah, that's not fun. Yeah. So like, yeah, that, that that's like the one because I I've, I saw it I think at the end of last year, and that that was one of the big thing sticking points with me was like, Ugh. And, yeah. and and I know it's like you, you know different time. It takes place in a different country with different you know ages of consent, but it, it was still kind of icky. Yeah, it was just, and I mean, you know, in that five-star rating I gave, it was, I think, solely for the fact that, like, shot beautifully, uh, love the music, love the sounds, uh, performances are amazing. Yeah, it's well-written. It's well-written, too. Like, shit, it was, it was just a fantastic movie. It's just that. Like, I don't know how I feel about that, you know? But, um, yeah. yeah. So, like, just, like, if you're going to go into the movie, just keep that in mind, because 
honestly, everything else about the movie is near perfect. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I feel like this would be a nice segue into another contentious um, property that people were sort of talking about a lot online recently. Um, I watched Hamilton the other day. Oh, oh, God. And I feel like I need a moment to, to just to get it out of my system. All right. To just, to, just to say, because there's been a lot of discourse. And I want to have my piece just to get it out so we can stop running around in my brains like gravel and honeybees. So um, it's fine. It's fine. But, but I understand entirely that there's a lot of genuine criticisms, valid criticism, because, like, yes, it, it definitely takes these very, at best, deeply flawed figures of American history to outright racists and kind of paints them as quirky, fun-time musical people and sort of skirts a lot of the heavier issues. And yes, Lin-Manuel Miranda looks like a big-headed doof when he casts himself as the lead role in the movie where literally every single woman drops their panties at his feet and every single dude thinks he's just just the most amazing, uh, well-done person who's ever existed even when he essentially becomes the bad guy in the second half of the movie uh like it's fine like i don't know what else to say like it has some it has some good i think it has some good songs just like i have mad respect for people in musicals just because like they're singing and dancing remember all the routines and all this also i was pissed to fuck drunk when i watched it too so okay. like I was, I apparently I was much more animated watching it than I'm recalling because apparently my Liz and Ken and all of them heard me screaming while I was watching it. So that I'm interested to, to hear them go back more into that. But honestly, I understand why people were upset with it, and I agree with a lot of it. It's just for me personally, I don't have the mental bandwidth to die on a hill about Hamilton. Like, there's so much other bullshit in the world, like Trump's secret Gestapo police in Portland, Oregon, and uh, coronavirus getting worse and worse. Like, and just because there are bigger issues in the world doesn't mean the smaller issues aren't still important. It's just like I physically can't make myself care about Hamilton to even give like more than what I'm saying right now. I would say if you're interested. For good or bad, watch it for yourself. Make your own opinion. That's really, I don't really know much more to say other than that. Yeah, because there, there are two types of people, or there are two kinds of people in the world, and both of them are annoying as shit. The people who think Hamilton is the God's gift to fucking Earth, and it's like every like chance they get, they mention it. It's like, have you heard the soundtrack to Hamilton? It's like, no. And then there are the, the, the backlash to those people who are just as annoying, who are like, Hamilton's fucking stupid and fuck you. It's just like, uh, why don't we all just shut the fuck up? I mean, I don't know. They have, everybody has a right to opinion. I get that. But like, if you have in this moment of American and the human history to expel excess mental energy about this musical, I say God bless, because I sure as hell don't. <laughs> yeah. I think that's a reasonable answer, Pat. But also, you already died on this hill, Pat. That's right, I'm a ghost. Yep. I was a ghost the whole time. Oh, no! You died on, you died on the Hamilton Hill 20 years ago. Hey, 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 guess who I am? I'm biting my lip. Uh, uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't get the reference. I'm Lin Manuel Miranda biting my lip because I'm I a sexy honk. D- D- were you God, listening dude. to Pat? <laughs> I mean, I know who you talk. I know that's the person, but like, I've never seen like this person. 
before you look the Hamilton the discourse? No. Or, do you, or you still don't know what he looks like? I just don't know what he looks like. Look up Lin-Manuel Miranda lip bite. No, I won't. Well, yeah. that's okay. We'll, we'll we'll just flood your DMs with uh, Manuel lip bites. Oh, fuck. I don't know if I want that. <laughs> oh, too bad. You're going to know what he looks like by the end of this day, motherfucker. Shit. <laughs> Especially once we start getting pissed drunk. <laughs> fuck. Uh, but to talk about a good musical, me, uh, one of my uh, movies on the Criterion Hall uh, that I made last week, was it was a it was just a blind buy. I was like, oh, this looks cool. And it was uh, it's called Hedwig and the Angry Itch. And I love this musical. Like, not like no joke. I was listening to the soundtrack all throughout that week that we watched it. Oh, same here. It was so it was so fucking good. It, it's about this uh what's his what's his name before when he's uh Hansel. Hansel, yeah. He lives in East Berlin. This is before the the Berlin Wall falls, and and he he falls in love with rock music, and then uh, he meets this American GI who uh, convinces him to uh, go under gen, uh, gender affirmation surgery, or so they can marry and take and they can take him back to America. But the uh, surgery gets botched, and the guy once the GI brings him back to America, just leaves him for another person, and just it's about uh, this person's struggle through working through their gender identity as well as becoming a uh, a uh, unrecognized rock icon. Because uh, Hedwig, as Hansel becomes, it, they're like a, a she's the frontman of a floundering like punk rock group and she's trying desperately to get noticed, but she's also having to deal in, with like the internal friction of the band, her own sort of like a general, uh, neuroses, neuroses and dealing with the fact that she's been hurt multiple ways by different lovers and sort of by her own actions. And like, and plus the soundtrack is just great. There's a ton of just amazing songs and, and it has, and, and I don't know. There's just, there's a lot of really interesting things about interpersonal relationship understanding yourself and like and like love and like finding that person we're looking for is like should we focus on relationship we focus on ourselves and i feel like it has a lot of interesting things to say in terms of just general feelings about relationship and love and just sort of like and plus like queer understanding as well mm-hmm. exactly and it's just um and on top of all all of that it it one of the big problems with movie musicals, especially ones that adapt from the stage, is they don't adapt the the stage show to the cinematic form. But this movie is really cinematic and really inventive with its camera work, cinematography. Uh, parts of it are animated, and the animation is really cool. It's like that late 90s MTV type of animation. And, yeah, I highly recommend it. It's definitely one of my favorites I've, that I've watched this year, for sure. Well, awesome. Um, speaking of a movie with killer sound or music, I watched recently uh, Sorcerer. And because uh, a long time ago, my dad showed me a, a specific scene from it, and I was like, holy crap. And then forever, he's been wanting me to watch it. So I got the Blu-ray version because I wanted to watch it in its best uh, quality as I could. And... Uh, Jesus Christ, it is a great movie. It's about um, it's about four guys. They're criminals 
from different parts of the world, and they're in South America, and uh, they have to transport dynamite that has uh, its ingredient, nitroglycerin, leaking out of it, and it's unstable. So they have to, they have to transport it 200 miles across the jungle, and um, if it moves or makes any movement whatsoever, then it'll explode because it's unstable. And uh, it's really, really freaking good. It has this really good synth soundtrack. Oh, it's just so by this band called Tangerine Dream. It's so freaking good. And Cole, if you remember, I don't know if you remember uh, this American Dad episode. It's one of the newer ones where Steve and Haley had to transport a truck full of explosive ham. And, okay, yeah. And they get stopped by that cop that's like, Ooh, Maui Zowie. Yeah, ooh, <laughs> ooh, mommy. <laughs> and uh, but there's also that scene where they're trying to drive the truck across a bridge that's literally pulled straight from Sorcerer. Oh, okay. And uh, it is amazing. I, I if there's any way anybody can watch it, watch it. It uh, originally when it came out, it was actually uh, critically panned. Uh, pe- critics hated it, and uh, it also didn't make much money because it came out around the time Star Wars was coming out. But then. Over time, it got a critical reevaluation, and it's considered like one of the like one of uh, this director uh, William Friedkin's best works. Yeah, I, I I think it's I think it's worth a watch. You know, I I don't know. Uh, maybe when we get together, when this is all over, I'll show you guys. Cause damn, sounds good. I mean, it, it's by the same guy who who directed The Exorcist. So yeah. Oh, and it has fucking um. Oh shit, I gotta like gotta find it. It has one of the one of the actors in there. Men, the main characters, he's played by Roy Scheider. He he's the guy that was in Jaws. Oh, okay. Yeah, he plays uh, he plays the police chief in Jaws. I think probably the last movie I'll discuss today will be uh, it's a documentary that's on Netflix called uh, Mucho Mucho Amor, which is about the life of Walter Mercado. He was a a big personality in Latin America as, like, a astrologer and TV psychic. And he's, he's just a very, like, I guess as a something that Americans may know, like, very in, uh, akin to, like, Liberace, like a very flamboyant and, and a fantastic character, like, big wardrobe, like, over-the-top personality and sort of general aesthetic. And s- sort of, like, his, like, deep, like, affection within the Latin American community and how like just like generations of people who have grown have grown up with him his and his just like uncanny stage presence because he because he was originally an act, an actor and a dancer who's just sort of kind of fell not not say fell but like his sort of personality through happenstance led to this enormous career just in, in a way he never intended and just sort of seeing his life and just the impact he's, he's had amongst all these people and just sort of just you know. From what I can tell from this documentary, like a very genuine, if extremely eccentric person as well. And I think not only has he made a lot to just general people in Latin America, he's how big he is as a queer icon in general. Just sort of being like a very, even though he has, even though he's never really come, ex, came out and say what his sort of leaning is. On, on the surface, it seems to be this non-binary, asexual entity that just for his sheer personality and just sort of goodwill has enamored him to a lot of fans across, you know, across really the entire world, across, you know, race and gender and sexuality and, like, all these different aspects. And and it's really, it's it's a really, I guess, comforting story to see, to see how much one person can mean to so many people. 
even even once their star has maybe faded or they sort of fall into back, these people are never really forgotten because just how deeply it, their impact is felt. And I felt like that was a, that was a very that's a very good documentary you can find on Netflix. Nice. And then I, I got uh, last two movies. We're gonna be real quick about them. Me and Pat watched. Uh, this was my first Kurosawa movie, Throne of Blood, which is basically Shakespeare's Macbeth, but in Japanese samurai context. And it's really good. You should check it out. Um, the editing is dated. Uh, it, it, you'll know when you, you watch it. There's a bunch of weird wipes. I'll say that. Uh, but there are shots in this movie that are really haunting. Uh, there's In particular, there's one midway through the movie that's just a single take uh when uh it's uh i can't remember the character's name but the myth the macbeth analog uh kills the king to take over the kingdom and just seeing how like oh the lady macbeth you mean huh no. well, is isn't his wife supposed to be lady macbeth yeah well i was just saying like uh, when a uh, Toshiro Mifune's character goes to kill the leader okay. with the with the spear. I thought that was his his wife. She did it. Oops, spoilers. No, no, no. She she talks him into it. Yeah, but I mean, it's ba- it's it's Macbeth. I mean, it's hundreds of years old at this point. Yeah, and a lot of it's based off of like Ko and Kabuki theater, and it's just re- and, and just like a lot of really stark shots that you should watch it. And then the last movie I'll talk about was one that me and Pat watched was uh, Inside Lewin Davis, mm. which was a Coen Brothers movie. And this was one of the few movies I gave five stars to. Uh, it's, uh, it stars Oscar Isaac, and he's a, uh, a folk musician from the 60s, and he's trying to get his big break. But due to outside forces and mostly things he does, he, he's not able to make it in the real world. Or make it into the the uh, entertainment industry. See, see the success he wants, because it, it's a very interesting movie. How they're able to, in a similar aspect to There Will Be Blood, take such a an unlikable character and make their story engaging. Because yeah. Oscar Isaac's role well, as you know, Yoan Davis, like he's so deeply frustrating, is yes. that he literally cannot and will not get out of his own way. At, at, at any course of his struggle, that it's kind of just like, why the why the fuck are you like this? But it, the, it, the way everything's put together, it, 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 you still find some way to feel for him, and it, but and you're still along for the ride. Yeah, because he's not necessarily like evil, like Daniel Plainview, and there will be blood. Like Daniel Plainview is fucking evil, like incarnate. But Lou, yeah, Lewin Davis is just an asshole, and. But, like, as the movie reveals more and more uh, about his past and sort of what he's going through, while it doesn't excuse what he does in the movie because he does treat a lot of the people around him like like garbage, you, you really it really puts things into context, especially there's a a scene halfway through the movie or so where he he's at this like party with this old couple who just takes him in randomly and he ends up going off on the lady of the house 
and it seems like for no reason, but then like later on in the movie, it sort of, exp- he, he, he drops this one line that really puts that into context. It's like, oh, that's why he, he freaked out on that lady. It, it, I mean, it's Coen Brothers. It, it's very different from Coen Brothers. It's not like overtly funny, but it's not as like as dark or bleak as say No Country for Old Men. It rides this a line in between that uh, of the movies to, of their movies. It's closer to a serious man. If if any of y'all have seen that, it's which is another one I recommend. That one's really good. But all right, yeah, Inside Lewin Davis. It's also on Criterion. So, ah. well, I think we had a nice catch up with what we've been watching over the summer. Uh, as we're still sequestered indoors to our respective houses, but I think we have given you plenty to chew on for your own sort of quarantine viewing and we hope you seek some seek some of these movies out because we believe they'd be very much worth the time uh from the good ones to even some of the bad ones i think you'll be very well entertained for me for any of these movies on our list so once again we want to thank you all for listening today we really do appreciate that you can follow us on soundcloud itunes google play google Podcasts, overcast spotify and any rss feed catcher we're there uh, dishing the banter out, do be sure to like, rate, review, and subscribe on all those platforms. It really helps us out, puts the show in front of new people, and really keeps the show alive. And also, you can follow us on our socials. You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at AYCH Podcast. You can follow us on Letterboxd and Facebook at All You Can Hear. You can follow us on Twitch at twitch.tv slash All You Can Hear. And our VODs go up on our YouTube, which is also at All You Can Hear. And finally, you can follow me, Patrick, on Twitter and Instagram at John Lost His Name. Follow my art on Facebook at John Lost His Name Art. My name is Jonathan. You can follow me on Twitter at J-O-N-I-I-B-O-Y-24 and JohnOwnSon12 on Letterboxd. And stay tuned in a couple months where we inevitably release part three of media we consume during quarantine. Yeah, and then after that, wait another few months, and then we'll do a media consumed during quarantine. And then again, and again, and again. It's never going to end. Well, uh, my name's Colt. Follow me on Twitter at ColtD00. Uh, I'm tired. I'm so, so tired. Night-night. Uh, I'm Wenzel. Thank you for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at Wenzel Wilkie. You can follow my art Instagram at World of Wednesday. Movies, they're cool. Yeah, so we'll see you next time. All right. Bye. Uh, take, care, take, take care, everyone. We'll see you soon. Take care. Bye. Bye. Drink some milk.